Luke chapter number 7. For the sake of time, we'll not read all the scripture that we read this morning. Uh, we'll just read the verses that uh, we plan to deal with tonight. Luke chapter number 7 and verse number 27. Verse 26. But what went ye out to see a prophet? Yea, I say unto you, much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of a woman, there is not greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Verse 29. And all the people that heard him and the publicans justified God, being baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. Father, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. Speak to our hearts. May you get glory and honor and all that will be said and done. Help us not to say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit tonight. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I preached this morning the first part of a message that I really intended to preach the whole message, just time would not allow us to, uh, on a pansy preacher or a powerful prophet. And you know, I got to thinking about that. I actually looked up the word pansy. Uh, I thought, you know, I don't want to just use a word to be using a word. And uh, in the 15th century, the word pansy was used because it uh, meant a uh, it meant a garden, a flower that uh, uh, described a garden plant or a flower. And you know what pansies are. But in 1929, uh, the word was used to define infeminate, soft, uh, gay, or even homosexual. And you know, we're living in that day, aren't we? It's sad that as preachers we have to deal with it so much in the day that we're living in. And Jesus says in this verse, in verse number 24 in our text, he said, what went you out to see? A reed shaken in the wind. I want to tell you, as Elvis used to sing, there's a whole lot of shaking going on nowadays because we are living in a time, friend, when there is a lot of people that are putting their finger to the wind and finding which direction the wind is blowing and making their decision. Well, I want to tell you, uh, Jesus uh, uh, mentions here John the Baptist, his message, his ministry, and he talks about uh, uh, the type of man that John was in this text, and he said that John uh, was not a reed shaken in the wind. He, he was not someone that uh, was going to buckle under the pressure, and as preachers and even as individuals, as Christians today, there's more pressure mounting and being put on the church uh, and Christendom than there ever has been. I feel sorry for many of you today and I pray for you concerning uh, uh, your jobs and your employment because you are in situations like you have never seen. Many are facing decisions that you never thought you would have to face. And uh, Listen, I don't know the answer for your situation. Uh, you just have to pray and seek the will of God and do what you think is best for you and best for your family. But I want to say this tonight. It makes no difference to me uh, whether or not you believe in a vaccine or don't believe in a vaccine. Uh, my problem is not the vaccine near as much. I have my own personal opinion, uh, but my problem is them mandating and telling American people what they're going to put in their body and what they're not going. Hey, listen, they want to scream all the time about abortion. It's my body and my choice. Uh, they need to turn that thing around because it works both ways, friend. Amen. Uh, and this one thing to take a vaccine because you did that and felt 
like that's what's best for your situation. It's another thing to be threatened and to be pressured into a situation like we're living in today. You say, preacher, why would you call that out? Because it ought to be said, amen? I'm telling you, it's a tragedy and it's a disgrace in this country when we've got politicians today that, listen, have sold us down the river and want to put the noose around our neck just to fatten their pocketbooks and it's high time in this country that somebody get upset about it, amen? And friend, I'm telling you, if there's ever been an hour and there's ever been a time when men of God need to take this book and call sin, sin and cry loud and that verse says, spare not, amen? That means don't leave a stone unturned. That means preach it like it's your last message as a dying man to dying people, amen? I'm here to tell you tonight that we need some powerful preachers today that will stand for the truth, hallelujah. And I think that needs to be defined uh, tonight, what it means, uh, uh, what John was, what Jesus defines it so well in this text concerning uh, a powerful prophet. And John certainly was that. Uh, John was not a compromiser. Uh, John doubted uh, uh, just like in his, in his moment uh, of despair. And you know, we've all had our doubts, isn't that right? And I'm glad the Bible put this in here uh, concerning John in this weak moment because none of us, this preacher included are strong and tall within our own self amen you see being bold is not being a smart aleck uh, being bold is not uh, a cl- uh, listen clenching your fist uh, and necessarily turning red faced uh, but boldness is courage uh, in the face of adversity amen and friend that's what we need in this hour is some folks that'll just not back down that just won't get silent you know I'm not preaching anything any different tonight than what I I preach from the day that I started preaching. The only difference is uh, uh, we've got a softer generation and they know that. And now the more you preach it, people just about swallow their tonsils uh, over about anything anymore. I'm telling you, when I was coming up, and many of you are older than I am, and you can recall it, i tell you, when I was coming up, preachers didn't hold nothing back. Can I get a witness on that? They didn't care about your pocketbook. They didn't care about if it suited your fancy. The only thing they cared about was getting up and delivering the burden that God had put on their heart. They were more than a prophet. They cared about the invitation. They cared about souls getting saved. They cared about young people getting closer to God. They cared about moms and dads and marriages holding together and that's what really counts, amen? It doesn't matter as a preacher if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you live in a big house or a little house. It doesn't matter if you got a big church or a little church. I'll tell you what matters is that you're faithful to this book and you're faithful to tell the truth whether the crowd likes it or don't like it. It ought to still be preached in this hour. And they didn't hold back nothing, Amen. I'm telling you, I remember as a, a teenage boy, I, if I heard this said one time, I heard it said a thousand times, I, talking about communists, they said, you know what? They ought to take an M16, fill them full of holes and tell God they died of the chicken pox, amen? I'm telling you, uh, they talked about people that went against the country and stood again. I didn't say that. I'm, don't look at me like that. I'm just telling you what they said when I was a teenager, amen? And you know what? Nobody got mad unless you was a communist, amen? And they probably didn't get mad. They probably got nervous, amen? 
Amen. I'm just telling you, there was a war, a generation of World War II uh, uh, veterans, my friend. Uh, they fought and shed their blood. Uh, uh, they gave their sons uh, and sent them to foreign soil. And if you think they was going to back up and roll over and turn in their guns and give up their Bibles uh, and back up on their beliefs, uh, then you're crippled too high for crutches. Amen. Uh, uh, friend, they wasn't tucking tail and running from nobody. Uh, they fought for this country. They gave their time. They gave their sweat. They gave their blood for this country and it meant something. I'll tell you why it don't mean nothing to a lot of people today because they've not had to pay the price. Uh, they've not sacrificed. Uh, we lived at ease in Zion for so long. Uh, we've enjoyed the prosperity and the blessing of that generation uh, that suffered the cause uh, and paid the price. Uh, I'll tell you, friend, the time is soon coming and the tide is arising in this nation when it's gonna separate the men from the boys uh, and it's gonna take someone with a backbone uh, and full of the Holy Ghost uh, uh, to look that crowd in the face uh, and preach it and tell it like it is, amen. You say, preacher, do you ever have fear? Sure, I do. But the cause is greater than the fears. Amen. I want to tell you tonight, I'm not letting Hollywood tell us how to raise our children. Amen. Brother, I'm telling you, and you think about Hollywood tonight, they can use all the profanity they want to, show all the nakedness on their films and their movies uh, full of blood and guts uh, and demons uh, and monsters uh, and inappropriate scenes. Uh, uh, listen, full of adultery and perversion and fornication. Uh, they blaspheme the name of Christ uh, and damn the name of God uh, and then they want to have the audacity uh, to tell us how to raise our children and tell us what we can say and what we cannot say. Hey, I want to tell you, friend, if that doesn't make you mad, you might ought to check your pulse, amen. I'm just telling you, friend, I'm not letting I'm not letting Hollywood or California or Washington, D.C. or New York City tell us how we're gonna worship, when we're gonna worship, the way we're gonna worship. We ought to stand on this book and raise our children and our grandchildren on the principles of the Bible. If it hair lifts the devil and all of hell, friend, we ought to do what's right. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? And I'm telling you, friend, the rubber has met the road in this nation. You better know what you believe and you better know why you believe what you believe in this hour. We're living in a time and I look tonight at this text. Jesus defines John's ministry. John was not a pansy of a preacher. Pansy preachers, he said, is known by their weakness, a reed shaken in the wind. They're known by their wardrobe, their soft raiment, and they're gorgeously apparelled. They're known in verse number 26 by their words, a prophet. But he said here, he's fixing to talk about John and he's fixing to tell us John was a powerful prophet. He was a powerful preacher. I thank God for the Lester Roloffs and the brother Sammy Allens and the Oliver B. Greens and the Berman Capes and hey, the Milford Biddles and the Stennett Balloons and the Oliver B. Greens. I thank God for those men that stood tall and preached 
Christ and they walked with God. And can I tell you something about those men? They were the same on Monday and the same on Friday that you saw them on Sunday. Amen? Uh, listen, you didn't have to worry about when you run into them the town. Uh, they wasn't do it living one way at church uh, and living another way uh, uh, down in town somewhere. Uh, they were respected whether people liked them or not. Uh, they knew they were men of God. Amen. It's a shame what our colleges and our churches are producing today as preachers. Can I tell you tonight in this text, we see John was a powerful preacher, a powerful prophet, and his life is marked in these verses. I want you to notice in verse number 26 that his life is marked by spiritual confirmation. The Bible says in verse 26, Jesus says, what went ye out to see a prophet? He said, yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. There is a spiritual confirmation in this verse by our Savior about, our, about John's ministry. Remember, John is in prison. John is about to die. I'm sure the Pharisees and the Sadducees were having a heyday. The religious crowd was celebrating because John's life was coming to an end. A word was traveling through the streets and John even sends word himself in a moment of doubt. But Jesus turns around. You know, it's a blessing to know that Jesus will even defend our doubts uh, when he knows the pressure is turned up on us. If you're somebody that's doubted some things in your life, uh, don't beat yourself up. Uh, uh, listen, if there's confirmation from God, uh, just get over it and go on uh, and serve the Lord. Amen? Uh, John had those doubts, uh, but Jesus sends him that reassurance uh, so that he can finish his journey and his walk with God. Uh, and then Jesus turns uh, and looks at that crowd in case they had any doubt and he gives a spiritual confirmation that John was not just a prophet, but he was more than a prophet. You know, we need some men of God that'll be more. That'll not be average. That'll not be ordinary. We've got enough, you know, you say, what do you mean by that, preacher? I'm talking about we, we live in a time when preachers are trying to fit in. They're trying to, listen, youth pastors are trying to be cool. You know, young people don't want a cool youth pastor. Isn't that right? They want somebody they can look up to. And the church doesn't want to, you know, something, you know, they'll have an older man of God that'll preach for years and stand for what's right and keep it tight. And then you know what? He'll pass off the scene. And if the listen, if the leadership is not right in that church, you know what'll happen? Listen, they'll get rid of after he's gone, he'll bring in some young whippersnapper, amen. It'll stand up with a muscle shirt on and sandals on Sunday. Hey, if you see a man in sandals, don't send him my way, amen. I mean, it might be somebody that's gonna mug you, isn't that right? but he'll get up with a pair of shorts on and won't even get behind the pulpit and thank God he shouldn't, amen? But he'll get up and get a little, a little sermonette to everyone and people, you know, older people say, well, it's not what we're used to, but the young people like him. It's not what we need. Your preacher is not supposed to be the coolest dude in town. 
Your preacher's responsibility is to be a man of prayer, is to be a man of that book. He's to be a man that's to tell the truth, amen. He's not supposed to be the most, I don't wanna be the most unpopular person in the church. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, but the preacher's not to be a politician. He's not to run for office in this church. He's not to try to see if he can be the most popular person in the church house. Hey, you know what? The church isn't about me, and the church isn't about my family. Family. I think you ought to honor the man of God. You ought to be good to the man of God. I preach that not to fatten my pocketbook, but because one day when I'm gone, I want you to carry it on and be good and you are good to me and I appreciate it. But can I tell you something? A church that's built on a man will fall very quickly. Amen. When that man is gone, they'll be gone. You know why? Because it was not of God. But a preacher that is worth his salt, he'll not make it about himself. He'll make Make it about the Lord, amen. There's a spiritual confirmation. We know when a man has got a touch on his life, when he preaches the truth, when he's got a burden, he preaches how the Bible, he's got a balance, he's got boldness. We know that tonight. You think about how low the bar has been set today for preachers. Just about anybody can be one nowadays. I tell everybody, every young man in this building, just because you testify and God gets on you doesn't mean you're called to preach. Amen. It just mean, might mean God wants you to be a godly deacon one day in this church. It might be that God just blessed your testimony. You know, people can testify and get, they, listen, being filled with the Holy Spirit's not just for preachers. And I don't know how many times people have come through and visitors and said, uh, said the preacher that taught you Sunday school lesson this morning, I said, he's not a preacher. They said, he's not. They said, well, he preached better than some preachers I heard. I said, well, I, he taught better than some preachers you heard. But to be a preacher takes a call and Brother Allen will be the first to tell you he's not called to preach. But you can be full of God. You can be used to God and not be a preacher. Isn't that right? If you cannot preach, you're probably not called to preach. So just lay her down. Amen? Isn't that right? I'm just telling you the truth tonight. Don't dial me. Amen? I'm just being honest with you. We need some preachers in this hour and go to the jails and go to the nursing home. You say, well, we can't go right now. Go to the street corners there's some place to go there's some place to preach I know it's harder now than it ever has been but I'm telling you pray for God to open doors don't try to open no doors yourself don't try to kick no doors open but when God opens the door go preach amen I'm just simply saying this everybody can't be a pastor everybody can't be a missionary everybody can't be an evangelist I understand that I'm just talking about tonight we need some God called preachers that will live of what they preach in this hour. Spiritual confirmation. The Holy Ghost will confirm when a man is a true man of God. And then there is a specific calling. Notice the Bible said here in verse number 27, this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before thy face. 
There's a specific calling. This calling in verse 27 tells us that John was sent, amen. A preacher ought to be sent, amen. You can't think up a ministry. You can't conjure up a ministry. I mean, every young evangelist, or I mean, every young preacher wants to be an evangelist, isn't that right? I mean, cause it all looks good. But I'm telling you, there's another side to evangelism. They just go to a camp meeting somewhere, or maybe they go to a jubilee, or maybe they go to a revival and think, man, that's, that's that's the real life. <laughs> but it's not. Because preaching in a jubilee or a camp meeting is one out of every 25 places. Evangelists nowadays go in places where it's quiet as a church mouse. Where there are a lot of places there's a handful of people. Where people just look at you. They don't say amen like they used to. They stare at you now like a calf looking in a new gate. And you get up and you preach and you leave your lung someplace. Preach your guts out. And you give an invitation. And sometimes the music program, listen, it's not what you think it is in a lot of places. There's some places, it's sad. They don't have the, they're not blessed in that area. And there's times and, and people make the best they can, but it's not what you think it is. I think about being like Brother Barnes living in out of a suitcase, living their life running up and down the roads every week in a different place, going across this country carrying the gospel. Sometimes they get a, you know, if we give an evangelist $10,000, I'm going to tell you how that works out. At the end of the year, if they're, they'll just break even. You say, if we gave an evangelist $10,000, wouldn't that be something? No, because he's probably preached in 20 places where he got $300. Try paying your bills on $300 a week and running the ministry. I'm saying this tonight for this reason. One of the reasons this church is so good to missionaries and evangelists is because we understand that. I'm telling you, not just the other day, an evangelist told me, he said, pray for me. He said, I preached in a church all day on Sunday and they didn't give me anything. Now, he wasn't complaining. They said, I need prayer. He said, I, I got some bills to pay this week. I think if you bring a man in, you ought to take care of him. Can I get a witness? You ought to give him a, an offer. I, the first church I pastored, we had 25 people. Uh, listen, and some of those were kids. Uh, we had two revivals a year. We kept an old uh, water jug down at the, at the front of the altar and people just put money in it. And you know what? Over six months of time, every time it come around, a revival come around, we gave the evangelist what was in that jug plus took an offer uh, because we didn't have a lot of people and we wanted to have revival. And so, but we wanted to take care of the man of God. We didn't want to bring him in and muzzle the ox, amen? And so I believe that. But I'm telling you, what I'm saying to you is this, uh, as our brothers already said, ain't no preacher gonna get rich uh, uh, preaching the truth, I promise you that. Uh, uh, but my friend, it's that calling uh, that keeps you going, amen? Uh, it's that calling that makes you wanna preach. Uh, truth of the matter is, it really doesn't matter. Uh, listen, how much money you make or don't make, uh, there's a burning desire in a real man of God uh, and you just wanna preach uh, and you'll go anywhere to preach uh, and it doesn't it doesn't matter who you're preaching to. You just want to tell somebody the truth that the word of God has been put in your heart. Amen. Amen. And I see here that the specific calling is that 
he was sent. And then I see a sermon. The Bible said in verse number 27, Behold, I send my messenger. John had a message. And a real preacher ought to have a message. A preacher ought to have the message that God, it ought to be a message out of this book. It ought to, if it's God's message, it'll be chapter and verse. Can we get an amen? You'll be able to look in your Bible and see what he's saying. If a preacher can preach 45 minutes and you can't find it nowhere in the context or the text or the scriptures, if you can't find a chapter and verse, then you can pretty well chalk it up. He's not preaching what thus saith the Lord. Amen. There's a whole lot of book here to preach that, listen, you don't need to hear my ideas and opinions, but you need to hear what God said in this book. John had a message. He was a messenger and that's what a preacher is. He's got a specific calling on his life and he's to preach that message and that, that we need to be reminded of that because whenever the man of God is up preaching and he says something that maybe we don't like but if it's in that book then guess what we ought to not get upset with him he's just telling us the message amen he didn't write the Bible he's just preaching the Bible amen there are some passages as preachers we dread preaching them we dread preaching them as much as people would dread hearing them but it's the whole council. I tell you, we ought to preach salvation. Amen. And we ought to preach the second coming. And we ought to preach the spirit-filled life. But there's another S word that gets used in church sometimes. And independent and Southern Baptist or any other Baptist for that matter, they, they think it's a cuss word in a lot of places when you say it. And it's that big old word of separation. Still needs to be preached. Brother, people are not living holier. They're living, they're living like dogs nowadays. Brother, there was time, listen, 25 years ago, a sinner dressed better coming to church and a lot of people that, that claim they're saved go to church nowadays. And you know we don't care how a sinner comes. I don't care how they come to church. We're, we're interested in their soul and seeing them saved. But it's a sad commentary when a Muslim has got more convictions about their way of dress than a church going Baptist, amen? I'm telling you, listen, Baptists will fight you nowadays in a lot of places because you want them to go to church and look like they're going to church and be modest uh, and I'm telling you I'm talking about a Muslim that don't even know God has got more standards and convictions uh, about everyday attire than a lot of them that gets on a platform in a lot of churches uh, and they get up and sing uh, and if the platform's got any height to it if you're a man of any character any whatsoever brother Lanny uh, you got to look at the floor because you can't look up uh, I used to preach against choir robes uh, now we're not getting none somebody say amen but I used to preach against them but I don't preach against them no more because I've been in a lot of churches. If they took a vote, I would. if I wasn't even a member and they took a vote for choir rooms, I'd be the first one to make a motion. Amen? Because it's pitiful how some choirs look. They get up. I'm telling you, friend, there's so much flesh showing. I'm just telling you the truth. I thank God it's not here this way and by the grace of God, may it never be that way. But can I tell you, it don't happen that way on accident. You've got to hold the line in this hour. You've got to stand where you've always stood. You will be tested and tried. I promise you that. You will be. You will be. I've seen a lot of them. I've seen a lot of precious people. Brother Danny, I, I would have had a love for them to join this church. 
And they, we've sat down and they've, even, they've been honest enough to at least to say it. The lady, I, I can tell you two or three ladies. I said, we notice your ladies all wear dresses. To your members, the ladies do. Is that how all, all the ladies that are members? I said, yes, ma'am. And I'm kind to those people because I want to tell you why. Some of them don't know no better. We, we've heard it so much. We, and 20 years ago, everybody knew that. Now they come in and, and they look at us like they think we're crazy. Because the only church some of them has grew up in has been some contemporary liberal mass. And I'd much rather take the Bible and try to help them. And hopefully win them. Amen. Talking about save, member, save church going people, win them to come. I, I don't want to beat them over the head. And I say to them, I say, yes, ma'am, that's, that's how our ladies, they, they do. But I said, now if you're a visitor, I said, we're just glad you're here. And I say that every time. We're, we're just glad you're here. And they said, well, but, but what if we want to join the church? You don't know how many times the devil would say, why do you got to make such a big deal about that? But if it ever starts, if you ever let it in, you're never going to get it back. And I say to them, I say, well, that's how our ladies dress. And if you want me to take the Bible, I said, we can talk about it. And most of the time they'll say, well, I just don't feel like it's God's will. And you know what? We, we agree to disagree. I said, well, if you ever change your mind, well, this church would love to have you. And you know, it's sad to watch them walk out the door because you want to help people. But there is a line that has to be held. And it's getting smaller, friend. I'm telling you, when you get up here and sing, you boys ought to have a haircut. Amen. You ought to look nice when you get up here to see. You ladies ought to look, and thank God you do. I'm not fussing on you. I, I commend you for it tonight. There's nothing harder as a pastor than to have to go to somebody you love and tell them the truth and not know how they're going to respond to it. Nothing's harder. And I'm not saying playing the violin tonight. I'm just telling you the truth. In this hour that we're living in, Friend, may I say to you tonight, there's a spiritual confirmation. I don't know how I got off on all that. I reckon it was this sermon. The message has to be preached, and it ought to be preached in love. Can I get an amen? amen? No pastor loves to blister his sheep, or he's not a good pastor. And then I see his sincerity. The Bible says, notice this. What is the, but why is John bringing this message? Look at verse 27. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. John was preaching. Well, John didn't care who was in the congregation. John didn't water it down and John didn't call the message. John preached it. And I'm telling you, he told it like it was, but he had a purpose in mind. You know what that purpose was? He was preparing the way. 
to those uh, uh, that was uh, uh, preparing the way before thee. I believe when a man of God gets up to preach, uh, he ought to preach, number one, to glorify God. Isn't that right? That means it ought to be God's message, not his message. He, he ought to not preach to, <coughs> to get amens or to get pats on the back or, or preach to hear somebody say you did a good job. No, he ought to preach for one reason. That's to glorify God. It ought to be the message that God put in his heart. I'm telling you, God is my witness walking across the back of the sanctuary this morning, coming in. I was running a few minutes late, but with that Bible in my hand, the Holy Ghost dropped this little thought in my heart and said, here is what I want you to preach today. I already had something prepared. I already had something in mind, but it's not my message. It's not my church. It's his message. It's his church. All I am is the messenger. Amen. And I'm telling you this morning, this evening, a preacher's number one goal is to not please the congregation. It's not to please himself, but it's to honor God and my friend to glorify God through the preaching of the word of God. Hallelujah. And then I think his second motive ought to be to prepare the way before thee. Leadership is so needed in this hour. You know, if I go to choir practice, I don't want the choir, the choir leader to ask me what we're going to do. Because I went to choir practice to be led. Can I get an amen? If I go to Sunday school, I don't want the Sunday school teacher to come to me and say, well, what book you want me to teach you out of today? What lesson do you want? No, but that's how they're doing it today. If I go to church, I don't want a preacher to get up and say, well, what y'all want to do today? I'm not going to ask that. <laughs> Some people say, let's go to the house. <laughs> I'm not asking you what you want to do right now because some of y'all might want to go to the house. But you're not going to say, well, what do y'all want to do? That's not leadership. You don't want to, I know some people might, but I don't think this crowd wants to go to work tomorrow and hear the boss come in and say, well, what do you want to do today? Some people say, well, I want to go to the break room, eat donuts and drink coffee on the clock. I mean, you, that's not leadership. And in your home, husband, it's not what mama says. It's what, it's what daddy says, amen, in the home. It's how God leads that home through the head of that home. And in the church, it ought to be that way. And you know what? We're living in a time when preachers are trying to give people what they want. And the word Laodicean means ruled by the people. I tell you, real leadership is when a man of God seeks the face of God, finds the will of God, and leads those people, amen. Moses wasn't standing on the banks of the, of the river, the Red Sea, asking us, taking a poll asking Israel what they wanted to do. Now they was telling Moses what they thought but you know what Moses did? He cried out just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I'm telling you as men of God if we'll just stand still and stand in his presence God will part the waters. He will make a way and I'll tell you a man of God when he gets up to preach you know what he's doing? He's trying by the best of his ability and through the power of the Holy Ghost to just preach what God tells him so that it prepares a way. I'm telling you, it helps some home. It helps some heart. Hey, I pray tonight that God will put something in somebody's soul that'll make them to never want to back up on where they stand and what they believe. Hallelujah. Preaching is preparing the way before thee. Where would we be at tonight if it wasn't for preachers? Preparing the way. Men of God, 
You know, I saw Brother Marion Atkinson yesterday. And I told Brother Marion, he's, he's gotten older and still, Boston, still can, he can still preach. But I know he slowed down some. And, and I know sometimes when you're somebody like him that all of his life he's preached a busy, busy schedule. I, I don't know how much preaching he's doing now. I know he's not as busy as he used to be. And I said to him, I said, how about you come preach a Sunday night for us in November? And he just lit up. And you know, I saw this down through the years. Brother Allen actually saw it and Brother Sammy. It's not always having a preacher in for what I can get out of it. Sometimes it's just honoring faithful men. You know, there's some men we may have in. I don't care if they stand up here for an hour and just ramble. And we just have to get through it. God may be doing something for them. And God will be good to us for just being good to them. Sometimes I, I may have somebody in here. You might think, uh, wonder why in the world Brother Gravely had that person. Well, it might just be so that we could minister to them for all the years that they have ministered to us and have ministered to other people. I'm telling you, when Brother Allen was alive, I didn't care. He could come in here and preach. I, I know he's going to make us stand for 45 minutes, you know. And we're going to, listen, hey, we're going to take up an offering for who knows what. And only God knows what and why. But we're going to take an offering up. Probably going to take two up before we leave but you know what I've never regretted one time that I had that man of God come and preach I never regretted one time I'm telling you the last time he walked in here in February I went over and I asked him I said do you want to say something he said I don't want to say nothing I thought what I told him I said I've never known you to not want to say nothing he reached in his pocket and pulled out he said look here he said this is a German pocket knife German steel he said, I came up here to give you this knife. I said, well, how about quote a verse of scripture? And he said, I don't want to say nothing. And uh, that was the last time we was in church together. You know, I wouldn't take nothing for that tonight. Back in December, prior to that, we had our uh, Christmas play. And, and him and Miss Jimmy sat right there on the second row and watched it. I wouldn't take nothing for that. Amen. And when we was having Jubilee, the hardest thing to do was try to get him not to take up an offering. Like when Noel got married or Celeste, one of them got married, he come in late. You know, we was standing over in the fellowship hall and the music was playing and we was fixing to walk out and he stopped us. And they're playing dum dum da dum or da 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 dum or dum dum da dum. And he said, uh, he told Noah, he said, he said, you sure are pretty. And then he looked at her and he said, you want me to get you some money? <laughs> I said, no, we don't want an offering. He said, I'll get it. And I'm going to tell you, I was nervous through who, whichever one of y'all's wedding that was. I was nervous the whole time because I thought any minute he's going to stand up. And you're not going to stop him. I don't know if they got offering plates in heaven right now, but if they're taking an offering, I can tell you who's initiating it. <laughs> I wouldn't trade nothing for those memories. Those were men of God that you didn't have to wonder how they lived, where they stood. Don't you thank God for preachers like that? 
I'll tell you, I think about Brother Cape sitting on this platform. And I'm going to tell you, for 13 years after he... After he resigned his church, 37 years being the pastor, me and him never had the first crossword. I mean, we never, never had a crossword one. He'd sit up here and I'd tell him, I'd say, now, Brother Cape, you do whatever you want to do. If you want to sing, sing. If you want to preach, preach. You know, just do whatever you want to do. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. I really believe this. I believed it then. I believe it 10 times more now. I can tell you it's the truth tonight. If I know anything, I know this. I believe that God would just be good to me for being good to the man that had been here all these years. I'm telling you, as long as there's a cape breathing, we're going to be good to them. Amen. You know why? Because of the years of faithfulness, the years of plowing and just preaching and standing for the truth. I'm telling you, there's still a church here today. Don't you thank God for that? When people in the community may have probably said no telling why, because they always do. But thank God for preachers that just would never change. Amen. Oh, Brother Cape told me one time, Brother David, he said, well, he said, I'll tell you how I dealt with problems. He said, I'd just get enough of it. He said, I'd just take a text and I'd just blow it out. <laughs> he said, I'm not telling you to do that. But don't you thank God for those preachers? I want to say tonight in closing, there's a lot more in that text. But tonight, his ministry, it was marked by a satisfactory compliment. The Bible said in verse 28, this is Jesus, for I say unto you, among those that are born of a woman, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. You know, tonight, to hear what Jesus would say about us would be the greatest compliment that could ever be given. It's not what others think about us. It's what the Lord knows about us. Jesus compliments John, saying there wasn't never a greater than John. And then there's a separated congregation in the last two verses. There's a crowd in verse 29 that loved John. And there's a crowd in verse number 30 that hated John. And any preacher that preaches the truth will always be labeled by both of those crowds. Because it's not the man that, that causes people to love him and it's not the man that causes people to hate him. It's the message. When a man just preaches God's message, those that love God will love the man not because he's great, because the message is great. And those that hate God will hate the man because they hate the message. That's why when people leave or they go out and they want to say something, I don't, listen, I don't even have to take a baby aspirin to go to sleep about that. It wouldn't make no difference what they say about me. Because I know at the end of the day, the issue is not about me and them. It's the message. Be careful that you don't get mad at preaching. Preachers are not always right. Sometimes we say things we ought not and God deals with us. Sometimes we have to confess it because we're human. But you leave that business up to God. Don't ever take it upon yourself. That doesn't mean a preacher can't be reprimanded. If I was to get up here and preach something that wasn't some heresy, 
I think these men have got a biblical right to come to me in love and say, hey, preacher, now listen, that's not what the Bible says and that's not what we believe. That's their duty if I was to be preaching heresy. But I do believe tonight to not touch God's men. I believe that tonight. Oh, God will deal with the preacher. I've got home before and sat down and I'm, sometimes even in the pulpit something will roll off your tongue, just human air. And the Holy Ghost will just say, now that wasn't right, you know that. He'll deal with his man. But I never want to put my hands on God's man. Amen. I'm telling you, we're living in a day of daddy rabbits and church bullies. I know a poor old pastor right now. He's got an issue and he told me, he said, I don't know what to, to do about it. I said, well, I'll tell you, you're going to have to deal with that person. Because your problem's not going away. I said, the only way to deal with the bullies face to face. I said, you're just going to have to. And it's tough on preachers now when they have to deal with people like that. I'm going to tell you why some men get out of the ministry tonight. Why some women get bitter. If you've never been a pastor or a pastor's wife, you have no idea the abuse sometimes that they go through. And more so the preacher's wife. See, when people get mad at the preacher, you know who they go after? Right there is who they go after. And I don't know why women can be more vicious than men. Now, that ain't a reflection on y'all. But they can be plumb evil sometimes. Well, they'll shun you. They'll talk about you. They'll go after your kids. You think I'm kidding tonight? They'll go after the preacher's kids. All because they don't like the message. And they'll say things. They'll, they'll go on. It's terrible now. My kids are grown. They'll go on social media and say things. That's terrible, ain't it? If you've never been a pastor, pastor's wife, I'll tell you this, and I, I know where I'm at preaching. I'm preaching to my church, but I'd preach it to, I've preached it in other churches. And I know Miss Gravely, she don't want no recognition. She tells me, don't even mention my name. So I'm not going to call her name. But I'll tell you tonight, I thank God for every lady in this church that's been good to her and prayed for her and treated her. Amen, it sure helps you when you're fighting devil, women. Amen. Or when, when someone comes in here and they want to be the pastor's wife. Because that happens too. Amen. Don't let some woman come in here and steal your heart and start giving you all kind of counsel. Ain't that right? Oh, I, we don't know everything, but I'll tell you one thing God will do for us that he won't do for just anybody else. As your pastor and pastors, why, if we pray, the Lord will help us to help you. That's right. It's not that we got all the answers. It's just that God-given, divine authority God puts in your life. I'm not going to tell you, don't come to me and ask me if you should buy a car because I have no idea. Amen. I'm not answering that. Don't tell me whether you ought to homeschool, public school, Christian school. I'm not answering that question either. Please don't ask me if you ought to get a vaccine or not. Or wear a mask. 
One, you probably don't want to hear my answer. Two, I don't want to give my answer. But I'll tell you, I've seen pastors and their wives sit and just cry their eyes out, get bitter. They're tired of being hurt, tired of being. It takes alligator hide nowadays. I don't know why I'm saying all that. Everything's good here, okay? If you're visiting with us, we don't have no problems. (laughs) By the grace of God, we're not going to, are we? Amen. I don't think a preacher and his wife ought to be on a pedestal and be worshipped. Somebody say amen. But I think if I one day when I retire and I'm a member of a church somewhere, listen, I'm not going to let somebody make a doormat out of my preacher's wife or my preacher. Hey, I'd be the first one to stand up, speak up. I'm I'm talking about taking a stand on that. And when a crowd doesn't like the man of God or like the pastor's wife, hey, you you don't have to always get involved, but just, just note that and run from them like they got leprosy. Amen. Amen. I don't know why I said that, but Lad Ledford, you needed it. Amen. So let's stand tonight. I'm just kidding. Let's stand tonight. If you need to use the altar, you mind God if you need to come tonight.